Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Miles Francis over Zoom video. Miles was born and raised in New York City and talks about how they got into music. Miles comes from a musical family. Their dad was in bands as a trumpet player and singer. Miles's mom is just a music fanatic. Miles started playing drums at six years old. Around 10, started to play the guitar and bass. And while in high school, started a couple bands where they were the singer, songwriter, and also in other bands as the drummer. Miles attended NYU, went to school for, for drumming, jazz drumming. Ended up landing a gig with a band, opening up for Arcade Fire on a bunch of tours. Through that, Miles met Will Butler, who is the keyboard player for Arcade Fire. Miles joined Will's solo project band, toured with Will for a long time, and in the van while on tour with Will Butler is when Miles Francis, the solo project, began. Miles talked about putting out the Swimmers EP, which followed up by Doves, all those songs written around the same time period, uh, that Miles was touring with Will Butler. Miles also tells us all about the new record, which is coming out called Good Man. The music video concepts, the cover of the record's concept, it all kind of flows together. So we find out all about Miles and the new record, Good Man. You can watch our interview with Miles Francis on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on either Apple Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, it'd be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. It'd be amazing. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Miles Francis. This is about you and your journey in music. Let's do it. Cool. And I love the video. I just saw the video that you uh, put out. Oh, uh, thank like you. Single shot. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that as well. Um, cool. So New York, were you born and raised in New York? I was. Yeah, Greenwich Village in Manhattan. Wow. Talk to me about that a little bit. Oh, you know, it was insane. It was, no, it was, it was very normal to me. Although every time, you know, since I was in college, I went to NYU and oh, like, cool. I started meeting people who were like, what was it like to grow up in the city? And I was just like, uh, I wish I could tell some crazy stories, but it was, you know, maybe a little louder and more hectic than most people, but you know, it was just growing up. But still to have like access to you know getting pretty much anywhere like yeah. i grew up in san diego where you needed a car to do anything mm -hmm. and then i moved to san francisco for a few years um and when i was there like just being in which is a much smaller scale than new york city just being there thinking like wow that'd be crazy to like grow up in the city here like it's what a different way of life and then you think about it, like you're in the biggest <laughs> city there yeah. is yeah. Yeah. I guess there are a few things that were very normal to me that maybe weren't super normal to other. I mean, like my dad is a musician and I would, I grew up going to lots of jazz clubs and seeing oh, cool. him play and, and 
it became a thing very early on that like I wasn't allowed to get into the clubs and then there'd be this big drama where my dad would have to come out from backstage and, and persuade the security guard to let me in. And then they would write a huge X on my, Oh yeah. The big double X's. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I mean, but I that's still pretty cool. That's still pretty. I mean, well, dad yeah. was a musician or is a musician. Yes. So yes. That's how you got into music, I'm imagining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty, uh, it was written in the, it was in the cards for me to pick it up. My whole dad's family, they're all musicians. It's just, it's, it's in the DNA. So, and then my mom is a music lover, not a musician, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd say I picked up like a lot of my taste from, from my mom, but then the actual like playing music side um, from my dad. Yeah. It was, okay. it was inevitable. What's your dad play? He plays trumpet and okay. jazz trumpet and sings and also is, has like another life as the folky songwriter type. So that's cool. So that's what he did for, that was his gig for his job yeah. was to be a musician. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, he, he grew up like a, he was a commercial fisherman. He, he lived a whole other life when he was in his, you know, teens and twenties as like super like raw, like living out on the seas of British Columbia. Um, oh, wow. And, and then he moved to New York and pursued uh, music and went from there. So, yeah. Okay. And what, what age did you start playing instruments? Uh, for me, it was drum set at six. My sixth birthday, I got my first drum set and then okay. picked up around 10 or so. I picked up guitar and bass and piano and started singing when I you know, got into my teens and recording myself on GarageBand and layering myself a bajillion times, which was just my favorite like evening activity, you know, after school, just like make a song. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those I still have. Really? Um, yeah. They're just like sitting in my iTunes. Um, That's cool. Have you ever, yeah. Did you ever like, do you ever revisit them and possibly use any pieces of any of those songs for anything? Not not on purpose, but there are many, many times where I go and listen to songs I made and I hear stuff that I still do, like little like chord changes, a lot about okay. the chord changes. And okay. I'm just like, oh God, like I really I'm just have been writing the same stuff for decades. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I interviewed a while back, I interviewed John Nolan from the band Taking Back Sunday and he was talking about writing his first songs and learn like he learned three chords or whatever and then he's like and then i use those three chords to write songs for the last you know 20 years <laughs> yeah like, basically said like I, and then i just wrote the same progression for 20 years straight but i just thought it was so funny yeah i love how songwriters like have their little things that they just love to do and mm -hmm. whenever i hear a song that does a thing that i like i i just i'm like oh yeah there, there's that thing i love sure. that thing <laughs> that's so cool so you were six when you started playing drums. Um, yes. How long did you play drums for? Um, still doing it. I'm 30 okay. now. And okay, so drums... you, you never stopped. When you picked the guitar, it was something you continued to play? Yeah, the drums were, were like my, I was like, you know, young prodigy drummer where like I just, it was my first kind of like, uh, my, my most, my easiest instrument ever. It's okay. just like, I seem to have just have a, 
have a knack for the drums without uh-huh. much training. And so that was like my focus all the way up through college. College, I majored in jazz drums. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I want to get to that point. I figured you went to where uh, Clyde Davis or something. Not Clive Davis, uh, into the, the jazz program. Uh, okay. Just across the way in Steinhardt, little known Steinhardt. Okay. <laughs> but, well, NYU, I mean, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. It well, was, so, but anyway, well, yeah, guitar and bass and all the other stuff was very like self taught and kind of just supplied. Like, I wanted to start songwriting. And so, you know, you need a little more than drums to, to, you know, song to write songs. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a controversial statement in my, opinion but i'm gonna say it anyway um but yeah (laughs) basically all the other stuff i kept pretty like untrained just like following my bliss type of stuff and Mm -hmm. drums were like my regimented like you know technical um training instrument um but yeah okay i have a i have a five-year-old son and when quarantine first started He's just like wild. So we got him a drum kit, but the electric one. So the neighbors didn't like want to you know, kill me when I walked outside. Uh, and we finally got him lessons. We moved from California to Nashville and we just got him lessons. And it's just so cool to see like a five-year-old, like, you know, like I could just imagine yeah. you at six, you know, playing drums. And it's, it's something I hope he continues with. He knows about five or so beats right now. And it's just interesting to to watch this little kid just, you know, smash the drums. It's so it's just like so funny at its core. It's like, like, especially like I, my first drum set was not a kid's drum set. For some reason, my dad and my uncle, they got, who's a drummer. They got me this huge, like sun. I think the brand was called sunlight and the mm-hmm. kick drum was massive. The toms were bigger than my head. Right. And so I'm just, there are these pictures of me just like sitting on a, on a stool like my legs dangling and just like these huge drums it's just like that is comical no matter what that's <laughs> so really funny cool. a company honestly what the biggest the biggest thing that we've had an issue with is finding a throne there's no, no one makes unless you know no one makes a kid sized throne like this is a multi-million dollar company i'm creating as we speak yeah. uh, because i'm looking up like you know, one in one 13 inch, you know, Ottoman seat, like just anything yeah. I can get him to sit on right now. He's got like a record crate, like one yeah. of my old crates for my records. And I put like this little pillow, but it's not a round circle. So he's, it's just kind of a nightmare for him to to play. Yeah. Well, Hey, I mean, you should, you should get that going. It's very niche <laughs> market. I'd say really that no, should... there's no one making it. You have to full on buy a whole like child drum set like off amazon just to get the little throne you can't just buy the throne and i bought the you know talking to the guy when i bought this the kit he's like oh yeah this will be fine for your you know your five-year-old and then sure enough it's impossible for him to hit the kick yep so yeah just anyway laboring to try to like reach the ground (laughs) yeah just do one kick (laughs) yeah well it's i'm it's interesting to know that you also have the same experience <laughs> but yours is an even bigger scale, right? The, the drums are a bit bigger. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you started, you talked about writing songs and just going home to record as a kid growing up. But like, were you, you must have been in the school band or orchestra, anything like that, jazz band? 
Yeah, jazz band, all the all the thing. I never did like classical or orchestra. Um, I did jazz band. I did. I was in a samba drumline um, outside of school, and we we would march in the Halloween, the New York Halloween parade every year. Um, and yeah, all the different bands. And then I finally in in high school like joined uh, a band that was like a rock band, and then. After that, in college, I when I was in high school, I started booking shows in the city for the band, and and that was my, when I really started like getting out there with my own stuff and um, just you know getting into fights with booking with like venue bookers about like <laughs> different ridiculous stuff. Like I was just like a dramatic high schooler, just like, hey, w- you said the state was about like doing like booking, like it's. it's <laughs> And it's all still in my email. It's just like email so is like awesome. this, this weird treasure trove of stuff from like decades ago now. Anyway, so yeah, all the bands. But were were you drumming or were you songwriting and singing at this point? The uh, in high school, I had a mm-hmm. band where I sang, played guitar, and we that was like my own music. And then I had another band that was I was the drummer of. So it wasn't my, it weren't, wasn't my songs per se, but, but you yeah. played with the band. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And you were playing different venues with both, both bands throughout high school. Yeah. Yeah. We used to play sidewalk cafe and, um, lion's den. I mean, any, any, anybody that's been in New York for mm-hmm. a little while will know these names. Um, but yeah, just, just sort of like getting out there, inviting all of our friends. Like we would, we would pack these clubs. Cause like, you're in high school, like y- y- there's just like a, an audience there that will right. come to any show. Uh-huh. So we would roll into like these venues with just this, like, you know, we would fill the place and then we would all, you know, we, none of us could drink. So like we would have to get out by a certain time and, and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But um, yeah, those, those were the days <laughs> after I, after I graduated college, cause college was the same thing. Like there was just this captive audience of people mm-hmm. that will just come to your shows. And then after you graduate, everybody just disperses and suddenly it's like you book a show and you're like, wait, where, where is everybody? Right. Now um, you're trying to phone in favors like, Hey, yeah, uh, we're playing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a whole other game. Like, once, uh-huh. you, once you get out of school and you're trying to like get people to come to shows. Um, but yeah, it, that's, I've been doing that. I've been doing this for, for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. and still, still doing it. Still booking shows and, um, not getting into as many fights with agents anymore. I I know how to like, um, you know, do that privately and then (laughs) write them back. (laughs) Right. Right. That's funny. Um, well, tell me about getting into NYU. That must have been what a audition process or some some sort. Oh yeah, yeah, auditioning for I did I auditioned for a bunch of schools and they bring you in and they make you play three jazz standards: one slow, one medium, one fast, and a whole world that I am so far away from now that <laughs> it feels like another life. But yeah, it was it was intense and. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it did to me psychologically, but I definitely came into college with like a little bit of a mixture of having a chip on my shoulder and then also like some like you're like going from being the drummer, like the musician kid in your life, right. and then you're plucked into this 
like community of all the all of those kids together right right it's like oh wait you, you like how, how much do you practice oh i practice like like five hours a day like john coltrane like he he he, he supposedly back just like 10 hours a day and it's just like that world I'm, i was just like oh my god <laughs> i don't know what my life is anymore Right, right. Did you, you said you auditioned for multiple schools? Was NYU yes. the one that you wanted to go to no matter what? Or was that the, the, I, the I, one, I, wanted, I guess, first choice? Yeah, I wanted to go to Berkeley College of Music for, mm-hmm. for a while when I was in high school. And then I slowly got talked out of that and, and decided to go to like a more, uh, uh, like a, a place where I wouldn't be just around musicians all the time. Right. Um, and then why you felt like they're the best place for me, um, mm-hmm. like especially because the, the bands I had in high school were continuing and were like snowballing and, and two of those guys already went to NYU. And so I was like, OK, well, let's let's keep let's keep it going and just. Right. Yeah. Then before you know it, you've been in living in New York for your whole life and you've never lived anywhere else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's not a bad thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think somebody told me the the rate of people actually graduating from Berkeley is like sl- like so slim. Like that yeah. actually get there and act and finish because usually you'll land a gig or something will happen in the sense of you know yeah. graduating and then you're like, okay, I have this degree in whatever. When someone else could have two months in wrote a hit right and then they're yeah. gone like why even go back but like it's just interesting that i feel like nyu would be a school where you'd want to finish because at least you can you have the degree from nyu there that says a lot more than not that berkeley is an amazing school to have a degree from especially if you're a musician but that means i'm a musician like nyu could be like i'm a musician and i went to nyu yeah. kind of thing you know <laughs> what i mean it's got a little more of a more backing yeah. <laughs> in the sense of the academic world would look at it as. No, exactly. I, I, my mom definitely liked that I would have a, you know, cause for her, it's like, you know, a little backup plan. You could always teach music. And if you have right. a NYU degree, then, you know, wh- whereas now, I mean, now at this point, I'm like, I, I, I don't know who went where and I don't care. No, it doesn't um, matter, but it's just in the sense of the, yeah. like the, the yeah. degree itself. It's like, Oh I, yeah, I went to NYU. Oh, well, okay. But if it's like, yeah, I went to Berkeley school of music. Oh, okay. You're a musician. First shot right <laughs> off the bat. You're a musician. Yeah. Okay. That's, but yeah. that, I mean, how cool that, what a, what a, what a cool uh, story. What a cool place to end up. Um, so with, yeah. with that, once you finish at NYU, or I don't know where the story picks up from there, but when does the, you know, Miles Francis start and the, the band and everything, how does that continue? Um, so in, when I was in college, I joined my first year of college, I joined a band called Antibalas, which is a um, Afrobeat band that started in the late 90s, actually. And by the time I joined, they had already had like a 10-year long career they're still together now but um yeah they're they i basically was uploading videos i discovered afrobeat music by fela kuti who was a nigerian artist uh popular in the 70s and 80s and Mm -hmm. that music was like exactly what i needed to find as a freshman in college because it it gave me an out it gave me i totally you know changed course found my identity stopped caring about 
getting about you know jazz in the snobby like um academic sense and mm-hmm. just started caring about my own voice and that really set it off for me um as far as songwriting and you know just finding who i want who i am within music you know in a long-term way um and so I joined Antibalas. They took me out on the road. I almost didn't graduate college actually because they I was so busy with them. But oh, I wow. did end up coming back and finishing my last year begrudgingly. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, then so then from Antibalas, it's kind of this chain. Uh, what is it called? Domino. Yeah, Domino. Mm-hmm. So um, with well, real quick with, with Antibalas, yeah. you would toured the world with them essentially, or that was yeah. that your first touring experience, and you're in this band and. Now you get to do like kind of like yeah. what I was saying earlier about Berkeley, where it's like now you're doing the thing, right? Yes, exactly. So yeah, I was I was out there to doing the thing. I was the youngest by by a bunch of years, and just just like you know, following along with there were a couple mentors I had in that band, um, mm-hmm. and it was just like a deep study of that music, while also getting a lot of touring experience and recording experience and that band particularly is very respected within the the music community. And so we would Mm -hmm. get to do all sorts of cool gigs where like people would want Antibalas as their house band. So like we did a Paul Simon tribute at Carnegie hall where we backed up like all sorts of crazy art, Alan Toussaint and, and Betty LeVette and uh, just these like staples of like Like legends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I was like, 21 or 22 or something just like holy shit um and from there it was i i'm we opened up for arcade fire um which is another example like arcade fire new antibalisms was like let's come oh that's that's where that okay that connection comes in i was gonna ask about that yeah yeah so so i we were opening for arcade fire in um italy and like a little Europe run. We played just ridiculous venues with them. We're just like, Oh yeah. Okay. We're well, just like in an Italian, in a castle in Italy, just playing. Okay. Like, yeah, great. Um, That's and, so crazy. That's so amazing though. Yeah. It was this, this was, that was a big moment for me because seeing arcade fire and who I, didn't grow up. I didn't have, I didn't know about them at all growing up until this point. And the thing I immediately fixated on was the keyboard player, um, who is Will Butler, who Mm -hmm. I ended up joining his solo, uh, project as his drummer. But yeah, he just totally, I was transfixed with the way he moved, the way he approached performing. He had this whole improvisation element and performance art element that if you're just watching arcade fire you might miss it but if you're just watching him the whole time he's like acting this whole stage play that you just you don't even know like does anybody else see this like he's literally taking his jacket off folding it up in his arm and then putting it back on repeatedly through this song is anybody else seeing this right it was ridiculous he's an amazing performer and that changed everything for me so you played in his in his solo project band yeah wow that's that's yeah that's so awesome from 
I, so I met him on that tour. We, I would pick his brain every, every night after the, after the shows. And then he was doing a solo show um, where he just played with a drum machine and I went and saw it. And then I just emailed him and I was like, Hey, do you need a drummer? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, um, Whoa. So, so then, then I joined his band and yeah. That's so cool. Co- that's crazy. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. The, yeah like, you, gotta just I, email, you gotta just like write people and ask if they need something. But <laughs> it, what's a good what's, way to get something. What's wild to me is that he was cool enough to actually hang out when they were headlining the tour. Cause you'll hear a lot of stories where the headline, you know, the headliner doesn't have to come out and chat with anyone. Right. They're, yeah. they're there, they're bringing the audience, so to speak. And for him to let you ask questions and, and do those things. I mean, I think that's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think of like down to earth, uh, famous rock stars, I think definitely arcade fires on that list. They're like, um, the most, down to earth, nice people. Um, and Will was definitely just, you know, he, he was a standout and I've, I've been lucky to have people like him, mentor types who give me the time of day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, whoop. I'm still here. Do you not see me oh. anymore? Oh, you're still there. Yeah. Oh, got it. Sorry. There you no are. No worries. Did you maybe just minimize me? Yeah, it's. Okay. <laughs> I get it. No, just kidding. <laughs> Zoom, baby, and we're back. Yeah, we're back. Um. Anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, it was big, and then when, once I started touring with him and and playing with him, and and you know, I a lot of what he was doing seeped into my own thing, and that's when I started really focusing on my own music, and my Miles Francis project grew sort of in the tour van of will butler's shows oh wow and just going back to 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 your what you're what you're saying when when he plays and takes the jacket off and puts it back on in the video you have recently at the very end you are pulling a jacket off and and then at the end you got it on was that yeah an ode to (laughs) to that or didn't even think about it i did not think about that but there there's tons of little um things like that that he he opened my mind up to um and got me going like looking at different other performance artists um Bruce Nauman is a an artist that I really that I really love where there's a lot of repetition and and taking sort of mundane things but then once you zoom in and and really multiply it then it's like well that's it becomes weird it becomes some other statement um mm-hmm. so yeah that will got me started on that and yeah i i, <laughs> I didn't make the connection before but definitely <laughs> definitely subconscious. i just thought when i when i watched the video i didn't even, i, I did, obviously didn't put that together either until you said it i was like huh huh maybe maybe that's why miles did that <laughs> yeah i mean it's the it's the david byrne also school of of like yeah, taking a move, a movement, a very simple movement, and uh-huh. and um, it sort of gets injected with this other meaning once you put it in a different context, like on a stage when you're just right. doing something so mundane. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that's I, I just love that sh- that shit. <laughs> just yeah. like it's everything to me. 
So when you're when you're touring with Will Butler, that's when Miles Francis begins the project. And are you working? Yeah. Like, tell me about how the you know it started going. Where you were the drummer for his band, and then you in the in the tour bus or something. You're writing songs that end up becoming what the project. Yeah, um, I it was it was a van. It was it was definitely okay. not a bus. <laughs> tour van. Yeah, I didn't know. Band. I didn't know what a what a Grammy award winning side project looked like. I know. No, I, I didn't either. Um, <laughs> Will Will was very um, made an effort to sort of keep it keep it down to earth. Um, That's awesome. I, I'm sure he could have gotten a tour bus, but it was like, <laughs> right. no, you know, Arcade Fire kind of like shot to the top um, pretty quickly, and so maybe he wanted to sort of feel the tour van vibe. Life. Right. I like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was like the, I just started tinkering with songs, um, and it just something happened in that time where the songs I was writing were not like anything I had done before. It was, it was, there was a maturing that was happening. Um, and that those songs became my, an EP that I put out back in 2018, which is called swimmers. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's another EP that I put out as a sort of, uh, B, B side of that EP called doves. And then, then that's around that time when I started thinking about this, my, f- my first album, which is coming out uh, next month um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's been sort of a growing process um, even through those first EPs where, yeah, it was written in tour vans and, and sort of here and there around, di- you know, the world, different experiences playing with other people. Mm-hmm. This album was really like the, okay, let me like really, like hone in on this sound and and a lot of it was just made at home um no distraction just focusing on me and mm-hmm. yeah but it's it's been a process it's been years of of getting to that point giving myself the the um focus and the attention um instead of sort of fitting it in around everything else in my life do you feel like since you know well the record came out the last one came out or you had a record, that record you just talking about the B-sides came out in 2019 and then obviously the pandemic happens. Do you feel like that mm-hmm. let a lot of the, you had a lot of time to really focus on what the next step for Miles Francis would become? I mean, you're not on the road writing now because you're probably at home. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, it was, I, I had already been planning like towards the end of 2019, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take, you know, six months or so I'm, I'm, I'm going to just kind of step into the shadows a bit and just really write an album, do an album. Like, and then the pandemic happened. I was like, okay, um, I guess, you know, this is going to take a little longer than six months, but it was really just a, a process of uh, all these other factors besides the music part really came together, but, but there was a whole element of, draw um bringing all these songs together and what were they about and what what am i trying to say who am i even what am i what am i doing here what's the point um 2020 was was the year of that um for me and um ultimately it it all culminated in uh the photo shoot for the album cover and once i thought of what the album cover was going to be then it all like 
clicked and the ideas just, it, it all coalesced. Um, so yeah, here we are. <laughs> oh, interesting. So the album, the, the record was what written in bits and pieces until you shot the cover and then what you found the thread to kind of weave everything else together with like tell me about that it, a little bit yeah it was the album there were like 20 songs that um were floating around that i was excited about some of them older some of them newer and it was a process of like what what is what is this what, what mm-hmm. am i what am i trying to say to the world with these songs um and that was that took a long time to figure out even though it's a it's a seemingly simple question of like okay which songs make it which songs don't like i'm not on a major label where there are people telling me like you, okay got to be this song yeah. got to be that song then then, right. then track 4 has got to be that for sure like nobody's <laughs> saying that to me um so it took me a while to to figure out like what is this going to be called what is what am i um getting at uh with all of these songs and then i thought of the album cover i thought i want to involve my parents i thought i want to show two sides of a man i want to show something that represents you know trauma or um identity and and someone's nature and all this stuff and i thought of that photo um kind of an american gothic style photo with these outfits that i had envisioned for for years as well and once once that happened it was like oh, okay this song should definitely be on it this song maybe this song is not as related it can come later or something separately but it just tied the whole concept together and for me concept is is everything i i, I love making visuals i love um i love sort of padding the music with a, within a world and mm-hmm. um, that album cover photo was was the beginning of of that for me Okay. For people that are just listening, can you describe the album cover? I mean, I'm looking at it right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's a square I shape. <laughs> um, it's a photograph of me and my parents, um, except there's superimposed. There's two, there's a clone of me. So it's two, two people, of you, correct. two of me and my parents. Mm-hmm. And the each, each miles is wearing a different outfit corresponding to the parent that I'm standing next to, or, or Mm -hmm. in in my dad's case, I'm sitting on his shoulders and we photographed it in this really industrial, uh, part of Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where they're, they're trying desperately to put some green space in there. So they kind of like, like allocated like a, this sliver next to the highway where they planted a bunch of trees, but right behind it is this just massive imposing concrete wall. And it's, it was just like, this is perfect. Like this is the place that represents all of this stuff that I'm trying to get across as far as identity and, and, you know, just trying to fit nature in trying to fit beauty or, or uh, freedom into this just deeply uh, just structured environment, just like rooted deep into the ground and you can't puncture through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's the photo. <laughs> right. No, it, it's funny that you say they put these trees in like greenery and the photo is in the middle of the winter and the tree. I don't know if that's the spot where the trees are. There's trees there, but they're all dead. Right. 
or there's yeah. no branches on, or no leaves and anything on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's an eerie spot in the winter, especially. Sure. Um, and yeah, it just made sense with the album is about, I, I wrote it about just manhood, masculinity, and mm-hmm. um, all these questions that have come up for me around masculinity and uh, over the last few years. And at the end of the day, it comes a lot of those questions, the answers go back to your upbringing or, you know, the society around you or your parents or, you know, wherever just questioning behaviors and each song is kind of dive, a dive into a specific behavior that I experience or that uh, men in my life that I've sort of tracked for in, in them. Um, and so it made, it, it felt like I needed to have, a connection to parents on my album cover and mm-hmm. there they appear in well uh yeah a couple of the videos as well and um yeah it, it just it blew again the photo blew, blew everything open for me and from there the, the music video concepts came out and it's been kind of a, a a journey that yeah it all it's coming out you know just a couple of weeks which is just crazy but yeah. Probably pretty exciting, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know everybody says this, but like it feels like this is this is the album I've been waiting. I've been it's taken my whole life to write. <laughs> um, but I do feel a little like that, at least like, you know, a decade. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you worked your, your ass off for for the record. I would hope it's your, you know, favorite work. Yeah. Yeah, I get too romantic about it, but it it really is. Um, first and foremost, I feel something when I listen to it, and I still like it, even even though I've heard everything a bajillion times. Um, but it means a lot to me, and so I think that it, you know, hopefully, it means a lot to like one person, like or five people. If it like meant a lot to five people, I would be happy. I, I really would. <laughs> I think it will at least. I mean, the song, I love the video. Like I was th- talking earlier about the jacket. We should, I want to talk to you about the video for uh, let me cry and how it's all in one shot and just talking about concept, the video concepts that looks similar to, I mean, you're obviously in the midst of New York city, right? You're laying on the, whatever the, the divider, the, mm-hmm. the street divider thing. And you tell, tell, tell everybody about the video. Yeah. Um, so all my videos for this album, um, are, they're kind of like a string of uh, a narrative. That's each video picks up where the last one left off. So, Mm -hmm. um, this video opens with, uh, a character sleeping on the other divider right beside the highway, which is right by where we shot the album cover same it is it looks similar i mean it, yeah. it does so that that's cool that it is the same spot yeah uh and the idea for the video was okay this song is about trying to access your emotions um and so i was like okay instead of planning you know a crazy video where there's all these different shots and everything let's just do one take where i'm not going to plan any choreography whatsoever i'm just going to move to the song and and just try to be as freely expressive as possible and 
So that's basically what it is. Oh, it's all improvised then. Yeah, it's totally improvised. Um, We did about, I want to say we did four takes and each of them were a little bit different um, depending. It was me and and Charles Bio, who I, I, filmmaker who I collaborate with on all my stuff. It was literally just me and him and kind of like dancing together, moving down the street, going, weaving in and out of trucks and, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it it was, uh, it was definitely an intense, you know, it's intense to just like go out on the street and just like freak out um, Mm -hmm. and feel free to move however you want, especially in a city where everyone is, you know, everyone's just minding their business and um, trying to just like get on with their day. Um, But yeah, it was a, it was in a video that I, that I think was necessary to make amongst other videos where, yeah, it's like a little more involved, a little more Mm -hmm. produced. Um, And that's, that's the video for let me cry. And then the next video, which came out as well, was called nature was kind of the inverse of that where uh, I did the same concept, except in the other character that you see on the album cover. And it's a little bit of a different setting. It's a different energy. And then the, there's an ending that is kind of un- unexpected that I'll let the listeners go check it out. Yeah. I I didn't know if that one was out yet to talk about, but uh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil the ending. Um, <laughs> real quick though, on, you mentioned, you know, you know, expressing yourself freely in a city where people are trying to mind their own business. And that must've been, there's a, there's a snippet of the video where there's two construction worker guys, like in a mat, they're both in mass and they're between two of the um, trailers there. I don't know what they were doing, but they, you, I mean, did they, see the first three take like what like you you go ahead kind of go up near where they are and they're just kind of looking yeah. i thought that yeah. was so cool that that was that was a good moment um <laughs> and yeah that's that's one of those moments where you're doing a video in public and then you just come across two people that are watching you and you either lean into it mm-hmm. and go towards them or you kind of shy away and you know when we're rolling and we don't have that much time, I'm just like, okay, you're in my video now. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Um, and it, it worked because it it felt, you know, you feel judged in those moments. You feel mm-hmm. like weird or you feel like, you know, you should just sort of straighten out. Um, and it, I think it worked for the concept of the song, which is all about feeling boxed in and like you can't express yourself for fear of, judgment of any kind so it made sense that at some point in that video i actually did come up to a real you know situation where i'm with strangers and i felt a little bit you know uh i felt watched and i and it was my choice to either you know go and and throw myself against the fence (laughs) towards them which is kind of what i did Mm -hmm. or uh figure something else out Right, right. I I love that you went towards them. I thought that was so cool, and because you can kind of tell, you know, it's a one take as it as the video starts to go along, and you see the guys there, and you kind of go up to the fence, and you're doing your thing, and it, it, I just saw that. I was like, oh, that's really awesome that you know, uh, Miles decided to just roll with it and really yeah. embrace the fact that the people were there. 
yeah happy accidents it's definitely uh a running it's a through line for my process for for music and and uh, it's nice when a music video can can stay spontaneous you know mm-hmm. it's amazing it's a, it's a great video and i appreciate your time today miles thank you so much for doing this oh thank you for having me yeah i really i really appreciate it and love talking to you Awesome. I have one more quick, quick question for you. I want to know if uh, you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, um, aspiring artists. I mean, I, I would say just follow your own. I, I'm going to be as cliche as I possibly can, but it is the best cliche because it's so true is just be you just whatever you want to be, whatever you want to present. Um, and that's outside of how you feel, you know, around your family, around your friends, whatever, um, you know, and there are boxes that you have to break out of to embrace your full artist self, but, but at the end of the day, like if you just are truly you and all of your weirdness and all of your strangeness or um, whatever it is, uh, that will sustain you and and it, it and other people can feel it too, and it will inspire other people to do the same. And then eventually, we'll have a whole world of people just being themselves. Um, so that's my advice: is the classic be yourself. <laughs>